Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS. And that link will be in the show notes. If you are a person of color, to go to someone, a dermatologist, who is maybe either a person of color or has experience with working with melanated skin. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health-conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. All right, so today on The Less Stressed Life, we have a friend of mine, Rocky Roy Chowdhury, who is an actress-turned-dietitian whose own challenges with her skin flare-ups on screen prevented her from continuing to book more work. This led her to seek out the counsel of a dietitian in her 20s when her own allergist said that she couldn't help her anymore, and her dermatologist mismanaged her eczema over the years. Rocky holds a master's degree in dietetics and nutrition and is currently a corporate wellness and consultant clinical dietitian. She sees patients with HIV at her State Department of Health and provides functional nutrition counseling for skin and gut disorders in her virtual private practice, Little Bliss Nutrition. Thanks so much for coming on today. And I'm really excited to talk about our topic, which is kind of really the misdiagnosis of skin conditions in melanated or darker skin or people of color. And I really appreciate you coming on to talk about this timely topic, which you know a lot about, right? Thank you, Krista, for having me. I appreciate you as well. Yeah, I would tell say, us, tell us about yeah, your, your childhood, because when I read your story, I was like, oh, this is fascinating. You know, you were born in New York, but like there's a lot right. of cultural holdings. And I think opening it there, that is fascinating as someone. Absolutely. Uh, so tell us all about the things. All the things. Let's start. Well, yes, I was born in New York, raised there until I was about 12 years old. I had the lovely luck of having the allergic triad, as they call it. So eczema and asthma and allergic rhinitis. So my nose, my sinuses were always giving me issues. And I was going in and out of the doctor's office almost on a weekly basis for allergy shots. And so my allergist was basically saying to my parents while I was growing up, there's only so much we can do with immunotherapy for her. She needs to reduce her inflammation overall burden. And living in New York, weather is cold, wreaking havoc on my skin. Also, the asthma from just the cold air, the environmental pollution, it was just not helping me. I was always like the skinniest, shortest little kid in the classroom. And so my parents were like, you know, 
for the long-term health of our child, let's take our doctor's advice and move her. So the doctor advised you either move to Arizona or Florida. He really was harping on the fact that I need to go to a warmer climate. So actually, I was nine years old when we first went to Disney World. Of course, I was happy that the doctor said, oh, yeah, go ahead and move to Florida. So my parents were like, yeah, let's take the kids to Disney. I have a, I have a brother, a younger brother. So we came to Florida. And I kid you not, within the first three days, my eczema cleared up. Just the weather alone just was helpful. And you think kind of in the same way I do, where the immune system is a bucket. I used to have so many skin flare-ups just revolving around my diet. I did have true food allergies, but I knew also there was delayed food issues that were going on. And when I came to Florida on that vacation, my skin cleared up so much. And skin tone-wise, and we'll, of course, the topic of this podcast we'll get into later, my tone also returned too. So... Finally, my parents were like, this is amazing. She doesn't need to be on medications as long. Let's actually try to move the family down. So it took a few years for my parents to get a job transfer. So by the time I was in middle school, I moved down to Florida. And these were great for a very, very long time until things started to kind of creep back up again. And as I was growing up, and this is where I'll talk about the skin issue with the color and the pigmentation. So my family is of Indian descent. My mom's from India and my dad's from Bangladesh. So in Asian culture, in South Asian culture, especially, there's this obsession with white skin. I don't know if it goes back to like the colonial era when like Asia was just colonized by England. And anybody doesn't know the history of India, like why Mahatma Gandhi got really famous in the 1940s was because he was marching for the revolution of freedom from England control. Well, there's this longstanding ideology of whiteness and pureness. And if you were of a lighter skin tone, you were deemed maybe of a higher status. So if you were a light skinned Indian person, then a darker skinned Indian person, maybe you worked in the fields. And then if you were lighter, you probably stayed indoors more. And so when I was first born, I was really fair skinned. And that was seen as a good thing. Like, oh, she's a very pretty baby. As I got older, my flares would return, but they didn't look traditionally red, other than my hands, and maybe my feet, because those areas didn't tan as much. But there were other areas of my body, like my torso, my lower back, where they didn't really get rashy, they would just get dark and pigmented, this hyperpigmentation. And other areas of my body would get dark. And my mother would always just confuse the fact that I was just spending too much time outside. And I was like, it's the dead of winter. I mean, mind you, it is Florida. But even in the wintertime, the sun doesn't, you know, stay out that long. I was like, how am I getting so dark? And my mom would blame me for over like maybe using the steroids like, oh, the steroids are burning your skin. That's kind of like a misconception. People think like steroids maybe like darken your skin, just like they thin your skin out. So I was always kind of given more and more steroids. And then finally, we didn't really see a rash in certain areas. So my dermatologist definitely gave me a bleaching cream. And my mother would always always try these home remedies of just put yogurt on your skin or drink milk or eat cheese because that's like, I don't know if anybody else is from this background, but in Asian culture, they believe that eating cheese gives you oily skin because cheese is fatty. Of course, we know that's probably not true. Milk, because it's white, they assume milk, drinking milk will actually turn your skin white. So I was told all of these remedies and I would always blame myself as a child thinking like I was just not doing it 
long enough? Like, why is my skin not returning? Not realizing, of course, now 2020 in hindsight, that my skin was always, I think, always severely inflamed. And I never knew about it until I was in my 20s. And then I was taking a more certain areas did and certain areas just didn't. Mm. It would just look like this grayish purplish brown, Mm -hmm. just really bruised. So that's the other thing. In in darker skin, sometimes it won't look like a raised bump or rashy. It can just be discolored underneath the skin. And that's where I think the mismanagement, of course, lies when you are going to a dermatologist's office. They're only trained really in medical school to look at how to diagnose white skin or Caucasian skin in eczema. And when I was coming across a lot of the research and I was listening to a talk given by this dermatologist, he's of African-American descent. So he sees people of color and specializes in skin disorders, particularly of skin of color. He has mentioned that especially in the black community, the pH level of their skin is lower. The ceramide content of their skin is lower. And that's why you kind of tend to see in darker skin tone, the ashy effect, the ashy skin. So According to their treatment and management, they need to actually go in a little bit more with an aggressive treatment. They need to over-moisturize. So these are kind of the variances that is seen in dermatology when it's trying to manage skin of color. Okay. So one, do you know that MD's name? I will definitely try and look him up. Yeah, cool. So while you're doing that, I'm just going to recap a little bit that I think it's like your story is fascinating and also tragic because it probably is the same story for many other people, right? So you're given these products like Fair and Lovely, like bleaching creams, et cetera, when really you have kind of mismanaged. I don't know. Misdiagnosed is really a big concern here, right? But definitely mismanaged eczema. And so your skin is not very dark. I don't know if that's an appropriate, like, I would say it's not super duper dark, but it gets darker and darker where the eczema flares, but yet does not necessarily itch. This is tricky, right? Like if someone doesn't understand this, this is tricky to expect that it's eczema. Now, you and I first had this conversation a while back because I have this sweet picture on a board in front of my desk. It's like nice letters and things that I get from people. And I have this sweet pictures of one of my first eczema clients. And he was a little boy. And everything about him looked different (laughs) when his eczema cleared. So essentially why I'm bringing this up is because he was very gray and ashy Mm -hmm. colored. And I mean, you just think about it as being like dry skin over brown skin, right? Kind of creating this Mm -hmm. gray look is kind of what we thought at the time. He was adopted. And so his mom didn't necessarily, I don't think, understand. I don't think either one of us understood by any regard the differences with melanated skin. But his lips were very dry. He had these spots. And when I look at the picture of after he is better, you almost can't even tell he's the same kiddo. His skin is so dark and chocolatey and gorgeous and so beautiful. But I remember some of the catalysts. So you're talking about people of color having larger ceramide content, which is really like talking about the importance of lipid molecules. So all cells have this fatty acid bilayer. 
And so I always think about this being really important, but I remember with him taking like the essential fatty acids in his case were such a big deal. And I just remember that's when his skin really changed colors. And we're going to talk about the inflammatory processes and cytokines and kind of how some things that you've noticed with your skin, because in similar ways, that's what helped him as well. Anyway, so that's where this conversation started. So looking ashy, looking gray, turning Mm -hmm. into this gorgeous chocolate brown color. And you're talking about brown, but also being darker and looking purpley or bruised, which is tough. That's hard to have that color and not even know what it is for sure. And I know you are in tune with other people in the exit community. Have you ever talked to them about how they had been seen or how their skin has presented? Because it's hard to get the full effect of this on an audio because you've posted some pictures yeah. on Instagram and I'm like, whoa, until you see that in real person in real life, it's like, this is very stark. It's very stark and it's different than how we usually think about it. Yeah. So I have spoken to very intimate conversations happened, especially around what has happened in the world recently with like Black Lives Matter movement and kind of really voicing how this group and people of color have just been swept under the rug, like every issue, like imaginable, like, Mm -hmm. right. We're talking about like education, right. Access to schools, access to jobs, housing, and then here in healthcare, right. Racism affects everything, especially in healthcare. So when I was speaking to some people in this community, we were joking like, of like, oh, does your skin look like a Brillo pad too? Like when it gets really flared up, because that's the closest I could kind of explain it. When your skin is just so dull and gray, it's like this really Brillo pad like undertone. If you know what a Brillo pad is, it's like that scrubbing pad Mm -hmm. that you use to scrub your dishes. Mm Mm-hmm that's what we were joking about. And it's like, nobody else would really truly understand that Mm -hmm. because you know, when your skin is at its best lustrous tone, you can be of a darker skin tone, but know like, okay, you're like, you said, like if someone is like the boy that you were speaking about, right. He has like this gorgeous chocolatey skin tone that came out before it was just like this dull gray, like he had a cast over his skin. Mm -hmm, That's exactly what it, it just looks like a dull cast. And if you've never, ever seen your skin like that, like on the other side, you will forever probably think, to yourself, I will never have this glowing skin ever. And I didn't know what my skin actually truly could look like. And I showed you that before and after picture of my knees. I had these like elephant wrinkly looking knees. Absolutely. And my skin, (laughs) I looked like I had lightened up like maybe five shades within four days Mm -hmm. when the inflammation went away. Yeah. And that's, there's a name to it. It's called post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. That's the actual medical term for it. To my understanding, it's when your skin, your melanin sites, right? Your melanin cells, right? Mm -hmm. They release this pigment as a result of inflammation. So if you think about when you are out in the sun and maybe you're getting a tan or at first you actually might have a sunburn. So that's what it really is. For someone who is of a lighter skin tone, they might first turn really red. Mm-hmm. And then their skin just darkens right gradually over time. That post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation mm-hmm. that really is happening. But now if you are of a person of color, that redness doesn't really show up. It's kind of masked. So your skin turns this almost like purplish brown pigment mm. before it starts to turn darker and hyperpigment. So would you say that in a way, the eczema in a person of color can present in a similar way as a sunburn would at first? I would say so. Okay. Looks kind of possibly similar. Yeah. That's the closest analogy I can make for someone who's listening to this without seeing the visual of what it's like. Yeah. 
Well, you just mentioned you were talking about the inflammatory cascade that's happening. And something that you had learned about is that the inflammatory cascade in a person of color skin is a little different than in white skin, really. So will you talk about that a little bit? And even with Asian skin, actually. So this is the thing. They know more about Asian skin than they do know about black skin. So in Asian skin, the most expression in this inflammatory cascade is in the TH17 cells and TH22. Whereas in white skin, it seems to be a more higher expression in the TH2 cells. And then I have a big question mark next to black skin. <laughs> because when I was watching this presentation, I, by the way, I found out the name of this dermatologist, Andrew Alexis. So he's a professor of dermatology at the Econ School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York City. Cool. So he was the one who was giving this presentation at the National Eczema Association Expo when I was there last summer. And actually, I'm going to be speaking this summer for them. But he gave this talk and I thought it was so interesting that He was like, we just don't know (laughs) about the mechanisms in black skin, but they do know a little bit more about Asian skin. So that's where I think the research also needs to start diving into. Well, I've always felt that those of Asian descent, my understanding had been that eczema was very significant. I was just looking for research, but about halfway down the page, the National Eczema Association pops up, which is what you were using as well. And it does have a citation. So I'll try to grab this and put it in the show notes. And you had mentioned this off air. A lot of research papers give ranges of eczema and a lot of kiddos are affected and less adults, much, much, much less adults are affected than kids. But it says here from the National Eczema Association with their citation that those that are white or Caucasian are 11% of that population is affected. African American or black are 10% affected. Asian or Pacific Islander are 13% and Native American are 13%. And honestly, I live in the middle of a reservation and I was completely unaware that that would be so different. Like I've never really felt like never noticed that like, oh, this is really prevalent. And I mean, I'd feel like it's just prevalent in general. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know how I don't know how different you feel like 10% is to 13%. But anyway, it's super prevalent regardless. It'd be fun to kind of dig into those numbers a little bit more. But the point is, is that it's very it affects like many nationalities. But we can mm-hmm. very clearly say that people of color are probably misdiagnosed frequently. What do we know? I mean, we don't know, probably, because we're not dermatologists. This would be a great right. thing where, could we just phone in a dermatologist? What are your diagnostic criteria for those with darker <laughs> melanin skin? So actually, I pulled up this skin like dermatology community just to see if there was an article on it. And there was not. Because <laughs> I was looking for like, can I find anything about diagnostics? That's a to be continued question, I guess, unless you have anything extra to say there. No, I mean, the talk that was given by Dr. Alexis kind of showed pictures. And of course, we can't really say it here and describe it because we're on on air like audio. But there is a textbook called the Dermatology for Skin of Color textbook. I guess that's the only one where they have the resources to kind of show side by side pictures of, of everything. But there is mention of the fact that the skin just looks drier at first glance, it's just going to look like dry skin. It's really going to take a trained eye, I believe, mm-hmm. a trained practitioner to really identify what is a severe manifestation of eczema in skin of color, mm-hmm. because it's just not going to be blatantly red. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is not just hyperpigmentation, but depigmentation also happens where the cells have been permanently damaged. So you can start to see that too, where the skin just looks patches of white. Yeah. So I actually do remember seeing that 
quite a bit in Native American culture now that you say that. So let's talk about depigmentation. Sometimes we call that also vitiligo, right? But this is different, right? Technically, okay, depigmentation right. is vitiligo. Mm-hmm. So that's different than that. So let's talk about depigmentation when it happens and anything you know about depigmentation. So they didn't cover this too much in the research that I was doing or in any of the lectures that I was listening to, but I have seen it in person. And it usually happens when there have been over-scratching in a certain area. There was just so much inflammation, they over-scratched in that area, or they did use like heavy dose of steroids, and then they just lost the pigment there. And I have seen that in not just black skin, but in a gentleman who's of Indian descent as well. He's from the UK. And yeah, I would have confused him as having vitiligo, Mm -hmm. but he has eczema. Mm -hmm. That's pretty tricky. Not going to lie. You were talking earlier about the overexpression of TH17, TH22, whereas in whites, most expression is TH2. But we're talking about inflammatory markers and upregulation of cytokines or overall inflammatory mediators. So this is interesting that it's different. But in general, if we're going to look at it, is the potential approach still to reduce overall inflammation? Because at the end of the day, it's still inflammatory cytokines. So we would want to reduce the things that raise inflammatory cytokines. Is that too simplistic? I always like oversimplify things because I think sometimes we're like, oh, this is interesting. But at the end of the day, I still want to simplify it to this, this, and this. So what do you think? I think, I mean, overall, the immune system is a bucket. And I think the more you can reduce this inflammation, of course, the better. But you also have to know the difference too. And of course, we're not immunologists here. So would love to phone in an immunologist right now to know what drives TH17 versus TH22 versus TH2. Like, do we know that enough yet? Is there enough to tell us what the difference is and how we can quench one over the other? Like, how can we balance that? But we do know that the difference in at least treatment for skin of color, for particularly black skin of color, is to overdo it with hydration since they do have compromised ceramide content in their skin. So they do want to over moisturize. And according to the dermatologist, he was saying to go more aggressively with their treatment. The biggest thing is to not under treat because it will mitigate long term consequences and there will be thinning of the skin and permanent pigment loss. So maybe that is what is happening in some of these adults. And this is the other fascinating thing. The depigmentation that I noticed in these two individuals were at these conferences were they were older, I would say maybe past their 40s or 50s. Maybe when I don't know if it's because the research with eczema and management of eczema, how it was back then. But I noticed it was in the older patients with eczema who had that depigmentation. So I wonder if long term mismanagement was really what happened with the permanent pigment loss. Maybe. And that makes a lot of sense. But the other thing I've seen with people that have had eczema for a longer period of time is that it just gets more severe, right? Mm -hmm. So when it gets more severe, what other secondary things happen where you lose pigment? I mean, I just think about how cells are made. That's all. Like, I'm really simple. (laughs) I'm a real simpleton in my brain. I'm like, well, how are cells made? And, you know, how does this work, etc. And so like, as we age, we lose a lot of nutrients and other things, or like we degrade things, or it gets worse. That's just been like, in a way, with kiddos that have been kind of that have newer eczema, I'm like, oh, that's a much easier case than someone who's had it for 20 years, typically, because it has kind of evolved and created things. So lucky for our listeners, I didn't read these articles before 
for our call, but I am going to go ahead and put these in the show notes if someone's really interested in this, because I do have a couple articles about those particular mechanisms about TH17 and TH22 from Journal Mechanisms of Allergic Diseases. And it talks about confusion of antimicrobial response with tissue inflammation versus protection. And so if someone's really interested in more of those mechanisms, I've got a couple of them here. And then the other article is called Immunology of the Topic Dermat, and it goes through all of those mechanisms as well. So anyway, for the real nerd, if you want, that is something to look at. So I think we've talked about this a little bit. You talked about the Brillo pad and you talked about redness being masked. Okay, so we were talking all about the look of this and there are some other ways to talk about it. So I don't want to miss those before we kind of figure out. (laughs) I I just don't want to miss those. So we were talking about how redness is masked, but there's an increase in the leathery appearance of So you talk, (laughs) let's talk about that. Yeah, so the technical medical term called lichenification, say that like five times Mm -hmm. fast. It's just another way of saying leathery skin. So if you've seen brown leather on a couch, that's what they're referring to. And I actually have lichenification, particularly on my shins. Don't know why. There's no rash. But I notice when the inflammation in my body goes away, the leatheriness also goes away on my shins. So you had said you just found an article about this. Do you want to tell us about it and how many study participants they had? So it did not say particularly how many study participants, but it is called the efficacy and safety of chrysoberyl ointment, otherwise known as eucrysa. So it's a non-steroidal. And it was interesting because they treated different ethnic groups, racial ethnic groups, and they actually saw no adverse events happen with skin discoloration in this group. So that's really good. And it included improvement in lichenification. So that is one non-steroidal treatment option for people in skin of color if they're worried about losing pigment. I mean, basically, all of these interventions are like, let's turn off some kind of inflammatory marker. Right. I mean, it's like, so when we turn off this inflammatory marker, it kind of worked across all skin groups for some people. But there are people that say that didn't work for me. And maybe those inflammatory markers are not the ones that are basically elevated, just to try to make this make sense to people, like why some things work for some people and some things don't work for some people. Exactly. It's just like taking a key to your door, like some keys will open certain doors, certain cars, and some keys won't. And that's really where how medicine kind of works. It's like you're trying to find the right keyhole for your key. And then once it clicks, it opens and it works. So here's the deal. You gave us a great resource, which was the textbook of Dermatology for Skin of Color, which, you know, Mm -hmm. a consumer may not be that interested in textbook. But where could people go to learn more about this? And that's kind of a joke because there may not be anywhere to go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not, like that a, not a good joke. Really, I mean, I've been scouring and I've been finding that it's happening really on Instagram. There's a lot of dermatologists who are uh, people of color who are trying to voice this racism that actually happens in dermatology. And they completely acknowledge it. They acknowledge that the medical field is subconsciously or systematically, I'll say racist. They're systematically racist because the studies are just not really done in extent. Sometimes if you haven't experienced something, you don't know it either. And so I don't know. So we're all here about awareness. So here we are. We're a little bit more aware now. I found this fascinating. And I really appreciate you sharing your personal story, which is always the most interesting piece, especially Mm -hmm. how we're raised and how it, I don't know, just how it affects everything. So is there anything we missed in this overall conversation that you really think people should know? I think it's really important 
if you are a person of color, to go to someone, a dermatologist, who is maybe either a person of color or has experience with working with melanated skin, because I think that's how you'll be able to really treat your eczema or manage it in the best way possible. You really need to find and dig those practitioners who are familiar with how to identify the stage of your skin. Right. I always think if someone has had something, they just have a more intimate knowledge of what it feels and looks like, etc. So Rocky, thanks so much for coming on and sharing about this with us today. I think there's certainly more room to have more discussion about this. If you're a dermatologist or an immunologist listening and you'd like to chime in on this, or if you're a listener and you want to hear more about this, we'd like to hear from you over on the SpeakPipe app that's on the website. If you just go to lesterslife.com, it'll redirect you to the podcast site and there's a little tab on the side and you can leave a voicemail. Anyway, Rocky, where can people find you online? I am usually on Instagram. I am gut skin nutritionist on there. And then my website is littleblissnutrition.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 